Yo, welcome into the House of L podcast, episode 81. I am very excited for you to hear my guest on the podcast this week. Took a little doing, but it was someone that uh, I, I think in a lot of cases I'm pretty much introducing you to. And I'm happy to do that because I think that uh, she's she's going to be a big star. And I don't say that lightly. I think Kenzie has a chance to not just be one of Chicago's most important DJs, but I think that she has a chance to kind of surpass that. And you'll you'll hear it. You'll figure out why when you hear me talking to her. She's got a, a lot of style. I, I, I dig her flair. She gets it and she grinds, man. Like there are times where I'll see... I'll see Kenzie in the hallway on a Thursday or Friday. And then, oh, she's in some other city (laughs) like the next day doing a club open. Like she truly cares about music. Like She's at these music festivals and it's pretty impressive considering how young she is, uh, how hard she works. It's, it's very impressive. And I think that it should be a, a model for younger people that want to, find themselves in this business or any other business. We had a a really good time chatting. Let me give you just a little bit of background so you kind of understand why I wanted to talk with her in the first place. Kenzie kind of came in like a tornado when when she got the job at B96 and she's all hair and nails and you're like, who is this? Like, who, who is this tornado that has walked into our building? And She's as sweet as as anyone that I've met in our business. And I think very genuine. And again, I think that comes across in the conversation that you're going to to listen to here. She's 24. And for her to be here at Market 3 at 24 years of age, hosting the midday show on B96, that, that takes a lot of skill, takes a whole lot of skill. Um, I, I joke with her that she's Insta famous, like she's Instagram famous for sure. (laughs) And uh, I, I really do think that she's got a chance to be a big player in, in this game, in this game of broadcasting. I don't even know what, what to call anymore. You know, it's weird. I was talking with someone today and I was explaining, cause I have the same kind of feeling about Tony Gill. I was explaining how I think that at some point, Tony Gill is going to be running. And then I was like, I don't know what the word is because I don't think he's necessarily running a radio station or a television station. I I guess content factory is probably the right way to go about it. I, I think that Tony's going to be running a content factory. And I think that Kenzie is a content factory. So I I'm glad that she had time. So she's on the air opposite of me. Even though we're like 100 feet from each other, she's in the B96 studios on from 10 to 2. And then I'm on from noon to 2 on the score. So we see each other really like pretty much every day. And you 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 see how someone moves and you watch how they work. And I, I'm pretty confident in my faith in what she's going to turn into and kind of already is. I don't talk to a lot of FM DJs and I want to change that. I want to get more and more FM people on. 
I can't remember. Maybe uh, Justin Roman was the last FM. It was either him or let's see who else did we have on. I don't even. I don't even know if. I, wow, that can't be right, right? Like, oh, I had Lynn on. I had Lynn Bramer on. I, I want to get Terry Hemmert, especially now that she's semi-retired. But I like talking to FM DJs because their experience is really different from what I go through as someone who does talk radio for a living. But you're going to be seeing Kenzie in a lot of places, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, on television, or out doing these shows. She's been a real breath of fresh air. You'll hear me talk about it towards the end. I think that she does an incredible job of bringing the stations together like through her presence, which is impressive considering how young she is. Her story is amazing. Now, I, you know, I had done some intel. You know, I had talked to a few people that know her like better than I do. And they were like, yeah, you have to ask her about living in her car. And I'm like, what? Like, why was she living in her car? Well, we talk about that. We talk about dealing with trolls. We talk about body image stuff. We talk about why she loves music. We talk about what it's like to be a DJ at B96 and how she was able to market jump. She was in Tampa. She was in Minneapolis and Tampa. And now she's here in Chicago. And and again, for being as young as she is to do it with as much poise and polish as she's done it is great. Now don't, don't be fooled. She's, She's rough, rugged, and, and ready. I mean, she's not someone to be trifled with. I can tell you that much. But she was a delightful guest on the podcast, and I'm glad that she had time to do it. For those of you who don't know, I'm introducing Kenzie K to you. For those of you that do know, <laughs> buckle up, because it's going to be a fun conversation. B96 fabulous midday host, Kenzie K. With me, talking about, of all things playing flag football to start things off. It'll all make sense. Here's Kenzie. So you just, you're a player with defensive mentality. I'm always, always, always defense. I think I'm, I'm bottom heavy and that's how defense always started for me. <laughs> I'm bottom heavy. Yeah. I was like, I could always check people like really well. Cause I've played like every sport ever. So I've done lacrosse and basketball. Like I've done everything. So being able to check people, and then I've just always played defense. So if if you're a lacrosse player, there's a there's a to play lacrosse, you got to play with some anger. Honestly, I grew up with all brothers, and I'm like, like I'm feisty, like I'm very feisty. No, I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> no, you. I don't know if I've, I've noticed. I've come a long way. I'm classy now. I don't fight anymore. <laughs> but you used to. I used to be like a little a little rough around the edges. It's okay. I'll scrap I, you with my brothers. I I actually think that you still like, and I don't want you to take this as a as a put down. I think that you still are a little rough around the edges, and I like that. Yeah, I, I like I am. It's, it, it comes off as very authentic. Thank you. <laughs> that that you know, like I wouldn't mess. You know what I'm saying? Like you have that thing of I'm not gonna mess with her. Yeah, like yeah. she can handle herself. Don't mess with her. I can hold my own. I'm just like. I'm a little smarter. I'm a little more business-minded now, like, as an adult woman, on what I get myself into. But definitely when I was younger, and I've, I've always been able to hold my own. That's something that stayed with me for a long time. Because I actually got bullied a lot, and that's what started that. So all through junior high and most of high school, I was bullied so 
much. For what? Um, mainly weight and like so I moved from North Carolina to Minnesota. And Minnesota, the area that they moved us to was just really like blonde hair, blue eyes, size zero, and I am not a single one of the things on the checklist. So in North Carolina, you have a, like it was very diverse and um it was People were curvier, and we all disagreed that we were going to eat fried chicken and be five pounds overweight. Like, it was a general consensus. Like, it was fine. And you get to Minneapolis, and it is just not like that. And um, I did not have a good time for a while. I struggled with a lot of stuff. And then I started getting really rowdy, and um, I got bullied a lot less when I did that. So, so. so- when you, it occurs to you that you were getting bullied, mm-hmm. how'd you deal with it? Well, for a long time, I was really hard on myself. I actually, I had an eating disorder for three years um, that I had to work through. And then once I overcame my eating disorder, I started working on my church to help girls who are going through abuse and eating disorder issues. So I started working with girls um, in confirmation who suffered from those issues at my church after I overcame it. So then I started becoming a little more well-rounded person, but it went from me really hating myself for a long time to then me kind of being like, I don't like this anymore. And then I then then my attitude and my confidence and all those things kind of started pushing through. What opened up for you to be able to love yourself more than what you had been doing previously? You know, I think it's still a battle. Like, okay, so eating disorders are a lot like addictions, right? So, you know, you meet somebody who's a recovering alcoholic or recovering from drugs, and they're like, it's still a battle. They don't just not care about it anymore, right? So I think that self-love falls in that category for a lot of people, and it's something that you're always going to have to work on. You're not going to love yourself every minute of every day always, right? So I started becoming more uh, confident, I'm not going to lie. I have a story that's a little bit more um, God-based. I never had to go to counseling for my eating disorder. I had it for three years. and It went, so so you got help mostly through your church. Well, like. Or through faith. Through faith. I'm not going to lie. God kind of just spoke to me. And for the first time ever, I realized, oh, like, oh, my gosh, I'm really bony. and Because I was probably down to, like, 93 pounds at one point. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, for the first time ever, I just realized how tiny it was. It was like I woke up. And then I felt very compelled to work at my church and work with girls. Um, and it, it was just a process for me. It was like he was kind of working through me. Do you think that, that working with other girls helped you as you were trying to f- navigate all of this stuff? Yes, because I think that working with younger girls and helping them get through that and talking about why they should love themselves, talking about why they should care about themselves, wanting to see them love themselves, right? Like you wanted to see that. And it's like... I needed to kind of get my shit together and make sure that I was doing that. Like, don't just be telling people that. Like, you need to do it. And it also helped me throughout the years. I think as women, nowadays, we always feel like we kind of need to get work done or kind of need to keep up with people. And it's crossed my mind a few times. And if you want to get something done, I'm so in support of it if it's for you, right? As long as it's not because you're doing it because somebody said something mean about you. So if you want to get something done because it's going to make you feel better, I'm here for it all day, every day. But I felt a lot of pressure to get work done um, not for me, like to fit into like social pressure. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I want people to see that you can be women in a public industry 
and not have to get something you, you get something done and you know conform to those once again if it's for you super supportive of it, but it wouldn't have been for me it would have been because I was self-conscious of what people were thinking about me so I've kind of always been like what would I tell you know the girls I taught what would I tell somebody if they came to me right now and I've tried to keep that um that mindset because you become a role model in media just because people are looking at you and looking up to you and I just want to um, talk more about self-love and taking care of yourself and all that because it's something that I really struggle with. One of the reasons, um, let me, let me, I'll, I'll just ordinarily, I, I don't cuss a lot on this, but one of the reasons I fucks with you <laughs> <laughs> is is because you are not what people may think of you. Okay. Okay. All right. Like I, I think that there, there are already like you walk into a building and people will have these kind of preconceived notions. Oh, I know exactly what type of girl that is. And like the more I would just like walk around, and be like, no, no, Kinsey's, <laughs> Kinsey's about her business. Like Kinsey's, yes. <laughs> Kinsey's legit. Like she's into it. So how do you, how do you work through trying to overcome what people's preconceived notions of you are? Um, it's really challenging, and I think being a woman in this industry makes it more challenging. It's very male-dominated. And for some reason, as I've grown and watched and experienced, like, these are life experiences. This isn't because I heard it in an interview. Women, for some reason, often get one role. Where a guy can be a lot of things. A guy can be a great sports guy and a playboy, and he can have a lot of hats and raise money and all, all this. A girl can either be like, you see, like, especially in radio or on TV, she's playing the dumb girl. She's playing the smart girl. She's playing the one who is a homemaker. She's play- They don't often make us onions. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got layers. Like, I think that that happens to women a lot is they're often given roles in media. And I worked really hard to not conform to any of those roles. Um, really stand out, find my own lane, and market myself in multiple areas just to show that I can't fit into a role. So I do radio. I've also acted. I've modeled. I host any kind of event you can think of. You've done TV reporting? Yep. I've been a TV news reporter. I've done everything I can. I used to film sporting events. When I worked at uh, a TV news reporter, they also used to send me out as the cameraman for sports. Like, I've done everything you can think of. I've worn every single hat. And that's what I always try to do. I always try to juggle as much as I can because I'm not going to conform to the role that I'm given, if that makes sense. No, that that makes all the sense in the world. Music. Mm -hmm. When did you fall in love with it? I've loved it forever. I have two older brothers, um, and I grew up listening to hip-hop way younger than I should have. I remember being at my brother's high school graduation because he's 10 years older than me. So I was probably like seven, like... In the club, Fiddy said. I was like every single line, like as a child. So my first love is hip hop. Like my favorite rapper is Tupac. I just I love hip hop so much. Um, but I appreciate good music. I always say that. Like music, all every genre influences each other, right? Like Frell has worked with the Zach Brown band before, right? And you just I love watching it intertwine and inspire each other. So I'm a fan of good music. But I started at a super young age. Even my mom. 
she's so old school, like, everyone's got to clean the house, everyone's got a chore, and she would just put on Mariah Carey and Diana Ross and, like, every diva you can think of on a Sunday, and that's what we clean the house to. Sometimes I hear Mariah Carey and I think vacuum cleaner and I have to shut it off, you know? Like, (laughs) PTSD. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can smell bleach when I hear Diana Ross. (laughs) But, um... I, I love music. It's My parents listen to it. It was our anthem for everything. My brother is listening to hip-hop. Once again, way younger than I should have listening to unclean versions of things. But It's so funny that it. you say that because I remember you know, there was a legendary DJ here in Chicago named Herb Kent. Herb Kent, the cool gent. Sunday, okay. he would do his show, and we would be cleaning the house, like listening to Herb Kent. And you go, man, like— I don't know. I'm sure that's part of everything that ends up like how I ended up in radio. Right. Like all of that stuff like is is part of the influence. But it is amazing like some of the things that you connect with stuff like that. Like for me, it's the um I joke that Sundays are for Fela, Fela Kuti, the 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 African musician. Yeah. So Sundays to me are like all about Fela and whenever I hear it, I instantly go back to being on my own finally. Right. And being like, hey, I'm going to kick it with some Fela right here and just while out in my <laughs> dorm room or wherever I was at the time. So that's a it's a it's a when you can make a great connection like that with the music that you consume, it's really cool. So I wonder for someone who is doing that, like right. you're doing that for someone else. Like now someone's listening to Kenzie and you're you're now a soundtrack for someone. Right. How how do you. How does that make you feel to know that you're now in that spot where you're kind of doing that for someone else? That is not something I've thought of before. I'm going to be super honest. It's kind of when you put it like that, it's it's incredibly interesting. I sometimes forget people that I'm talking to people because I'm in a room by myself talking. And every once in a while, I mean, not every once in a while, but you get callers every day that respond. And I'm just, like, always surprised. I think every day someone calls me and I was like, oh, you said that. Or they're they're jumping in on a talk subject or they're laughing at something I just said. And I'm always like, oh, that's right. People have their radio on and they're listening to me. Like, because you're in a room by yourself and you totally forget. You're not getting that instant reaction. Like, morning shows get instant reactions with each other, right? I'm just like... I look kind of crazy like I got cats because I'm just in there talking to myself all day long and you totally forget. So it's really cool to think that somebody could associate that. I do love when people come up to me on the street after I've like ordered from McDonald's or something and they're like, are you Kenzie? Because like the rasp. I'm like, oh, yeah. And when I started in radio, you know how you can't like you don't know what you sound like, right? Mm-hmm. So I always had people come up to me when I first started radio. I was in Minneapolis and people are like, oh, are you the girl with the raspy voice? And I go, no. I said no every time. And finally, uh, a coworker of mine goes, you know that you're the girl with the raspy voice, right? And I'm like, what? And they're like, they're talking about you because I kept telling people it wasn't me. I was like, I sound raspy? Like, I had no idea. Yes, you sound raspy. I had no idea. So I was telling everybody for months, like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not me, fam. (laughs) It was was absolutely me. I had no idea. So... You get into radio in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. What was the first gig? Okay, so I have like a little story. So it's funny. It wasn't like my lifelong goal to be in radio. I always knew I'd do something that involved talking because it's the only thing I've ever done well. So I figured <laughs> that's what I was going to go with. It wasn't going to have anything to do with math, you know. So um, I was sitting in the car one day, like complaining to my mom. I was in high school, and I'm like, 
where should I apply for school? Because I don't even know what, like, what, what degree I'm really looking for. And maybe I shouldn't go to school. My mom was not about that at all. She was not playing with me. I was like, maybe I should take a year off. She's like, mm-hmm, no, that's cute. You're going to school. She's like, uh, bye. So I was like, I don't know what to do, though. I don't want to waste my money or my time. And she goes, all you do is listen to music and talk. How about you go to radio? I went, okay. And then I just did, it was literally her yelling at me saying a sarcastic comment. Like, you never shut up and you listen to music going to radio. I'm like, okay. And then I followed that really hard. So I, um, I applied for Brown Broadcasting in Minneapolis to get a broadcasting degree and was lucky enough to get the Conclave Scholarship, which was good because I was paying for my own school. So I wanted that scholarship. So I got that. While I was in school, I fast-tracked, so I got out in about a year and a half. That's pretty good. Thank you. But during that time, I still had, like, $10,000 of school to pay, right? My scholarship covered everything but about $10,000. So I was a full-time intern on the Dave Ryan in the Morning Show, so I was there all the time. And then I was a full-time student, and I actually had to get the dean to sign off on the amount of classes I was taking because I wanted to be done, so I kept taking extra online classes. And I had to get a signature and, like, prove my grades were good enough to do that all the time. So I was taking, honestly, like, I would say maybe eight or nine classes, ten classes at once for the most, usually, like, if not more, I would get, like, a dean signature on them. And I was a full-time waitress because I needed to pay off the last 10000 Like, I had to do monthly payments on it. So I'm paying, like, $900 a month well interning, well, like, well being a student. So I would actually waitress at Famous Dave's. That's where I was a waitress. A slip resistant shoes and my pig name tag. It's amazing. And, <laughs> which I still have. I kept my pig name tag, by the way. It says Famous Kenzie on it, and it's a wooden pig. That's so good. And I keep it because I'm just like, oh, my God, what is my life? So at, at work, because I would, my schedule was um, interning from, like, Three, four in the morning to about nine to ten in the morning for the morning show. Then driving and leaving there and opening up the bar at Famous Dave's, bringing all my school stuff with me. And I would have like my laptop in the corner because there's like, there's like lulls, right? Like there's not a lot of people in there at like two in the afternoon. And I would like do my homework, like waiting for tables if I only had one or two. And my boss hated it. He's like, you could be doing something else. And I'm like, the bar's clean. Everything's fine. Like, I let me get my work done. I have to get this done. So I would work. I would work on my schoolwork at my waitressing job because I would close the restaurant down at 11. So I opened it and closed it at 11. Every, like, every Wait, day. How? And then sleep for a few hours and then go back. And I was doing all my classes. So it was, it was like seven days a week, like everything. So, and a few days a week, like if I didn't have the internship, then I was in school all day. Or if I didn't have work, I was at school in the internship all day. Like it kind of switched off. It was an insane schedule, but it really didn't get much better. So I graduated and I'm like, oh, yes, the relief, right? No. So I was, um, they fired their morning show producer while I was at the Dave Ryan in the morning show and started having me help out with other tasks that I was like, I get coffee. I don't know what you want from me, but I learned I got way better at the board and helping out. And then they moved me to be the overnight jock. So I did the overnight jock on KWB and board opt all the overnight shows. So I'm like, I need more money than this. This is awful. Because I was getting paid like $7 an hour. and they To be on air. Yeah. But the thing is, they'd schedule you for your on-air shift at the same time you were board-opping. So I only got paid $7 an hour 
to do all of it because uh. they would schedule you at the same time. Very sneaky. So I did that, um, but I was ecstatic. I was on the radio, like, we made it, okay? We're there. So I started applying for everything in media, and finally I got a TV news reporter job um, two hours away in Mankato. So almost every day I would drive two hours to Mankato and then come back and do my overnight shift like four or five times a week. And then, I know, it was crazy. And this TV news reporter job was running me into the ground because this is a small market. So that means you you set up the story and you film the story and you interview and you edit it and you put it on social media and you literally type it out so it can fit into a teleprompter. Like, you do everything. I would leave and be like, oh, my gosh. And then I would go to um, Quick Trip and buy, like, a $2 hot dog because that's what I could afford for dinner. I would get hot dogs from Quick Trip all the time. It was awful. I was on a budget. Um, and then after a few months of that, the radio station in Mankato found out that I was working at KWB. And they were just excited to, like, have the name of somebody, you know, because it's a smaller market who's from a large market. And they put me on as second in charge of promotions, the night jack, and then I helped do stuff for mornings. So I was staying at my friend's house, and then I had to stop doing that, and I started, like, living in my car because I would do my overnights, drive and do um, all-day news reporting. After my news reporting, would go um, record my my late-night show um, at Hot 96.7, do some promotion stuff or type up some things for the morning show, handle all that, then drive back to get ready for my overnight shift, and I would just park on the highway and sleep in my car when I got close to the sh- like closer to where my shift was going to be. So I slept in my car on the highway like every night. For how long? Somewhere between a year or two. I'm sorry? What? Yeah. And then I had I bought a space heater for my car because it was Minneapolis. So you turn your car off and it's like, you know, third, like negative 30 out. So I had to buy a space heater for my car, which is a really dangerous thing to do. I do not recommend that but i was like well i need to like live so i bought a space heater for my car to keep it warm while i was sleeping in it i understand that like obviously like your grind is incredible but i'm just wondering was there any space at all for you to like have a life no i did nothing else i worked it was legitimately seven days a week because i was news reporting let me see if i can remember my schedule i was a news reporter wednesday through sunday so my days off news reporting were Monday, Tuesday, and Monday, Tuesday, I did longer shifts at KWB, and mind you, I Monday through Friday is when I worked at Hot 96.7, but I was helped with promotions, so if there was an event Saturday or Sunday, I needed to help with those. So it was, I wasn't at every place seven days a week, but I was working, working. seven days a week, so... I was clocking in for sure over 100 hours every week, for sure. So what went into deciding to just stay in the car and not pick having a place in one place or the other? I couldn't. I didn't have time. So, so like, say um, something at High 96.7 took longer, or say I took longer um, cutting my stories down from packages to Vosats at the newsroom because you have to shorten your story for, like, a later newscast. So maybe that took longer, something like that. Well, I needed to, like, make sure it's winter, right, most of the time in Minneapolis? Like, what, like 10 months out of the year? So I needed to make sure that I was getting to my job two hours away. There wasn't traffic or 
uh, maybe I had to drive super slow because it was a snowstorm. So once I got close enough, then I could sleep. But, I mean, if something's two hours away and then you hit a snowstorm, it's four hours. Like, right. I needed to make sure get I could stuck. get there. Yeah, I couldn't just take a nap and pop up and it would be okay. Like, I needed to make sure I could get there. So I was sleeping when I was closer to work. Because that's when I could do it. I'm... Go ahead. I don't even want to take a sip of water. No. Take a sip of water. I am, I am a like I knew the story, but I didn't know the story. But behind this, were you ever afraid? Like you're sleeping in your car on the highway. Like that's scary. Yeah. Um. It was scarier when, and mind you, I don't want anyone to get mad at me. Um. But these are like farmlands. Like Mankato is. There's, like, nobody on the way to Mankato. It's all cornfield. So I wasn't, like, on a highway endangering lives or anything like that. But, like, being sleepy and driving is scarier. You know, like, there had been times where I had quickly nodded off and hit the... And it was like, ooh, hello. I need to pull over. Yeah, because I didn't want to get hit by a semi-truck. So I was scared, especially because there was nothing out there. Like, it was, like, there wasn't even, like, lights on the streets. So it was just pitch black, especially when you turn your car off. I would try to get pretty far off the road, but I couldn't do it too far where I've gotten stuck. Because once I pulled so far off the road, I got stuck. I'm, like, using cat litter behind my car, you know, 3 in the morning trying to make it to my It was, mm. so. So when does that stop? When when do you get to a point where you're, like, settled? Okay. So I was doing that the whole time I was in Minnesota. That never settled down in Minnesota. Then. During my overnight shifts, I got very good at them. So I got good at voice tracking. I wasn't taking 45 minutes per break anymore. Like you are when you first start in radio. You're like, everything sounds bad. So once I got more comfortable and I was getting through my show and my board hopping duties I was super comfortable with, I started creating a website. Because mind you, during my overnight shift, I would apply for jobs. That's what I used it for. I applied everywhere. I applied for a job in Dubai. Like I applied everywhere. By any means necessary, I was willing to move everywhere. There were jobs I applied for that I hoped didn't call me. I'm not going to lie to you because there were some states I did not want to move to. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't get this. But I need a job. I can't be picky. I was like, God, I'm going to put it out there and you pick for me, okay? So I would apply all night to every job, whether it was producing, TV, radio. I really wanted to be in radio because the TV news reporting was, was just so serious. And I'm a little bit goofier than that. But I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need a full-time gig that doesn't pay me $7. Like, I can't. It, even when you're working 100 hours, $7 doesn't, it doesn't no. help. It just doesn't help. $2 hot dogs, that's what my life was. So I'm applying, and I almost got a job in New Orleans. I was the second choice. Like, And I, it was plucking down, plucking down. I'm like, this is it. I'm moving to New Orleans. I was excited. I'm like, it's going to be warm. I love haunted things. I was ready. And I got along with the guy so well. He was originally from North Carolina, and that's where I'm originally from. And I'm like, he's going to pick me. He's a Carolina boy. And he called me, and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know. We went with the other choice. And I broke down because I'm working this awful schedule. I was... I had the mindset, like, this was my light, right? And it took a long time. Like, I'd probably been interviewing for two months or so. And, and you're like, thinking, this is it. I'm like, this is my moment. I'm so ready. It's warm. It's everything I've asked for, everything I've prayed for. And he told me that, and I go, well, is there anything I can do? Like, is there, was there something I did wrong? And he goes, well, the other choice lives here, so he can just, like, start this week. And I'm like, 
I'll start this week. Like, I'll, I'll live there. I want to live there. And he was just like, oh, we can't. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't even lose it off of something, like, I could have worked on. Like, it was just out of my hands. I crumbled. That was, like, a breaking moment for me. It was really hard. My attitude got a little more negative after that. I'm not going to lie because I was just... I was just struggling. You right? were down on the business or was, down on everything? I was just down, boy. I'm like, my hair is a mess. I'm not getting my hair done. I'm like, oh, my God. I need my life together. This is getting embarrassing. And, you know, I'm chasing a dream, and I, I'm telling everybody it's going to happen. And I'm like, hopefully. Like, I'm poker-facing to everybody else that it's going to happen. So, finally, um, I get a call one day when I was at High 96.7 in Mankato. And he's like, Oh, um, this is Orlando Davis from um, Tampa, uh, Wild 94.1. Or he didn't say Tampa. He goes, this is Orlando from Wild 94.1. I'm like, boom, radio station. Someone's calling me. But I'm at work, and my job can't know I'm playing for places. So I go in a utility closet because it's the closest thing I can find. So I'm literally next to mops and brooms trying to be quiet but, like, also sound professional on the phone. And he's asking me all these questions and I can't cater my answer to what would be great for him because I've applied for like 400 jobs. I don't know where this is. I don't know what kind of music they play. So I am stressed out like, oh, my God, I have no idea. Like, I can't even be like, I love the Midwest or I love the South. or I lo-. I don't know what to say. So I had no idea where Wild for One was. So I'm in a utility closet next to a broom trying to lie my way through this conversation to get a job. And I'm like, he's like, what's your favorite kind of music? Hip-hop is my favorite kind of music. And I'm like, I have no idea what station this is. And I was like, I love good music. I listen to everything. I go, listen, I do lean towards hip-hop, but I've worked in top 40, and I'm trying to cater my answers. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And he gets off the phone with me, and I'm like, I'm never going to hear from that man again. He probably Mm -hmm. heard the broom fall. This is so embarrassing. My foot's in a bucket. Like, this is the worst. And... (laughs) (laughs) And he emails me a few minutes later and is like, hey, we'd like to book a ticket for you to visit Tampa. Um, Tampa. And I'm like, Tampa! It's Tampa! It's warm! It's warm! It's Tampa, Florida. Okay. And he goes, to fly down here and see the station, um, could you do it Monday? So I had to call in sick everywhere Monday because um, I'm like, I got sick days. So I just had to call in and be like, oh, I'm sick. I flew down to Tampa. They offered me this job, like, day of. Get out of here. I didn't like. I didn't even interview for the job at all. So they had just been listening to your tapes and stuff. And- yeah. They had just, I, I had sent a million things. I actually, one of the details I dropped is I had created my own website during my overnight shift as well because I was doing so much. I was involved in film festivals. I was a TV news reporter. I... I mean, I was I was a overnight girl. I, I had so many things. I was in charge of promotion. I worked with promotions. Like, I had all these things. I'm like, please hire me. I'll do anything at your station. I'll sweep. Like, I don't care. And um, so I put together a website that highlighted each of those things. Like, music TV news reporter, my radio demo, my promotions ideas, and, like, the pictures of those. Um, all I was in film festivals in Minneapolis for a while and actually won Best Actress um, in the 48-Hour Film Festival, which was wow. exciting. So I had those on there. Like, I just wanted to collectively put together a nice package and be like, hey, I'm really capable. I know I'm young because I'm 21 at the time. I'm like, I know I'm young. Please, like, take a chance on me. So they had seen my website and all my stuff and watched my videos and watched the film stuff I was in. And they're like, oh, we love that. You're just you kind of got a little bit of everything going on. We just want an energetic female who is capable of working hard. I'm like, me. 
So they I'm hired in me. my car, fam. Yeah, I was like, I live in my car. Like, I'm just excited about having a roof. Like, I'm so excited. So they brought me down to Tampa. Um, I loved being in Tampa. It was so awesome. Why? I loved the energy of Tampa. It's so high energy. It's probably because of the weather. Everyone's just awake and booming. It is, like, such a fun going out scene. And to be honest, obviously, as you can tell, all my... All my college, all my work years, I wasn't, I never went out or did any of that. I had probably gotten drunk at the age of 21, like, once. I had never, like, I didn't drink in high school, I didn't do any of that, I had very strict parents. So, moving to Tampa was like, I had six club gigs I hosted a week. It was like, (laughs) what is going on? What is this world? It was insane. So, it was a really good growth for me because I learned how to host I learned how to interact with lots of different kinds of people because Florida is a melting pot, melting pot full of personalities. So I learned there's some people that I'm like, that is rude. Why are you speaking like that? But it's maybe not down there, right? Or where they're from or where. So I learned a lot about how to deal with people, a lot about how to network, a lot about getting scanned by promoters, a lot about everything, like real world stuff in Tampa. Like I was a big girl with an apartment and I had to handle my own business and my own money like even just making sure I get paid at the end of the night, like having the balls to be like, where is my money? Like I grew, right? I blossomed a lot there. So I love Tampa and Chicago was always my dream market. So wait, how long in Tampa? Two and a half years. Two and a, okay. Two and a half years in Two Tampa. Two and a half years. So Chicago was always my dream market. Why? Because my dad's from here. So I grew up a huge Bears fan. I had a Rottweiler named Ditka. Like okay, like we were diehard. That's how my dad and I really like always bonded. We watched football together, always played fantasy together, and we loved the Bears through the good and bad times. And there was a lot of bad times. So especially in my, for how old I am, right? I wasn't alive. It's mostly for, it's mostly bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't alive from the really good era. There, there's so. some there's some good stuff. There's some some got the guys that I worked with were on some really good teams for the Bears, but there's a lot of bad. Yes. That's in there. But my dad and I have always bonded over that, and I think Chicago is the best city ever. I I love Chicago. I love the people in Chicago. So Chicago was on your radar, like, while you were in Tampa? Always. Chicago's been on my radar since I was in high school about where I would work. Like, that was one of my dream markets is I can see myself in Chicago fitting in there. So I didn't even apply for the job at B96. I got a call one day, and they're like, Hi, we've been, uh, this is Todd and Eric, and we've been listening to your show. And they're like, how do you feel about moving here? I'm like, um, what? I thought I got prank called. Like, I had no idea. It wasn't even my radar. I thought I'd probably be in Tampa for a few more years before people would really take notice of me. You know, I, I just, it wasn't, my mind hadn't gotten there yet. And I talked with them for a, probably about a year. I was in talks with them because they weren't talking to me about B96. They were talking to me about jams. Because I was at a hip-hop station in Tampa. And then we'd been talking, been talking, been talking. I wasn't seeing paperwork. I wasn't seeing a contract. And, and, I'm you're, like, and you're like, I already learned from the club scene. Run me my yeah, money. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, right. Like, they're just talking. Or I go, <laughs> maybe they're interested in someone else and they're stringing me. They're trying to figure out what they want. So I wasn't totally sold on the idea that they would bring me as excited as I would have been to come, right? So they started reaching out to me probably around March or April. You're talking November. Where, where's my papers? I don't see any papers. 
And they call me in November at the end of it. My contract is now ending at Wild, and they're trying to get me to sign. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're on the phone with me, and they're like, hey, um, instead of jams, how do you feel about B96? I'm like, what? We've been talking about this for, like, eight months. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, whoa, they just switched up the station on me. And I'm like, it's a huge station. It's a legendary station. I would love to be there. They're like, you know, you're just young and you're vibrant. Like, we should feel like we should be using you at B96. I'm like, okay, run it. Want to see the papers? So I'm stalling on my contract at Wild because I want to make an educated decision. And I finally reach out to Eric, and I'm like, they haven't gotten a hold of me. They're just not going to use me. And I text them and I go, hey, I'm probably going to sign my contract at Wild this week. I just wanted you to give the heads up in case you're interested. I got a text back in like 30 seconds. He goes, don't sign anything in all caps. And I'm like, what? Like, I'd already done the negotiations at Wild. Like, I'm like, what? You guys have known about me forever. What's going on? And they finally, they got a contract to me like a few days later. It was awesome. And we went back and forth on the negotiations. They were super open to every single thing that I wanted. Um, accepted everything I, like, I countered with. They were just on board with me. And my life changed then in like a week. I really, like, all leading up to that was like, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. And then like a week, it changed. And I'm like, okay. We're negotiating my contract, and I signed it, and I moved to Chicago at the end of February. Crazy. And to a job that I hadn't even sought out. Like, who gets to Chicago without seeking it out? Like, it was unheard of. Who I gets the B96? It. I mean, I still am just like, what in the world? Because I've always talked about Chicago, but I didn't see it for myself. I started here when I was 23. I moved here, um, and now I'm 24, obviously, because my birthday is in April, but... I mean, to get to Chicago at 23, I'm like, it was really worth sleeping in my car when I was 19 and 20. Like, that's awesome. So it was. What's that moment like when you finally sign it? Like you get the contract, you're looking it over and it becomes real that, oh, my God, like I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to live out that dream that me and my dad had. What's that moment like? I mean, I cried. I cried a lot for a lot of reasons. One, it was kind of like jarring that my whole life was about to change because I wasn't anticipating it. Like, you're going to move across the country. Like, it's not, you're not moving a few hours away. You're not moving. It's like, I'm moving across the country to somewhere I've never lived again. You know, I just did this two years ago that uprooted my whole life. So the jarring of it, but then being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Chicago. All I did is listen to Kanye West like over and over again to make me like super excited about it, right? And I just, I listened to every song with the word Chicago in it. I watched like the musical. Like I was just so excited about coming to Chicago. I became like enthralled with the idea. I, like, wa- yeah, watching the musical, watching Black Ink Crew Chicago because I wanted to see little snippets of it. Like I just started watching everything. I got married in that building. Yeah? Did you really? Yeah, the Lacuna Lofts where, where they do Black Ink. And, and... We'll have a lot of fun with this. So you watch Black Ink Chicago. Yeah. You know, we obviously have friends in the building that worked in this in this industry. You know, you know, Justin Roman. Yep. Did you talk to him about Black Ink Chicago? No. Okay. So Charmaine? Yeah. Used to work at the score. I didn't know that. Really? Yes. Charmaine used to be in the sales department. Shut up. At the score. I used to walk past her desk every day. No. Yeah. Were you friends with her? Yeah, we we still cool. Like when she decided that she was gonna, it's so strange. Like I was uh, where I live, High Park, 
not Hyde Park in Tampa, <laughs> yeah. Hyde Park on the south side of Chicago, I was coming out of one of my favorite places, Promontory on, on 53rd Street, and I hear this, eh, eh. I look over, and it's Charmaine. Like, she's screaming at me. I'm like, hey. So I walk over to the car, and she said, hey, I'm starting a, a new gig over at GCI. Like, I want to pick your brain about doing some radio. So, like, I don't even know if initially Charmaine wanted to get on the air. Yeah. I just think that she was kind of like, oh, here's a job, and I'm I'm doing this job. And then right. you look up, and there are people like her old boss is Chad Feldman, who, who does sales for Intercom. I told him, I said, you know Charmaine's on TV. And he's like, what are you talking about? That is so insane. How crazy is that? And so me coming from outside the city, like, I just look at it as, like, she's must have worked at that tattoo shop forever. Like, that's no. what I thought. No, she was, she was, this was, God, four years ago? Five years ago? I when met Charmaine her. Charmaine still here? I met her at Lollapalooza, and she was, because our booths were next to each other. And she was, she was super fun. Yeah. She's super bubbly. She I is. It. I love high energy, and I just... I love a woman kick ass. Those I'm really happy thing. for her because I think that I think that she kind of found herself on like on air, yeah. which is weird because usually you think like I'm this product and I'm going to present it. But I think that she she used her time yeah. on air to kind of find herself. And I'm really happy for her. But yeah, man, Chicago, wild. Chicago is the biggest small town. It in really is. I'm already like, OK, so I moved here. End of February, right? Like, end of February. It's here for a few days in February. And I bump into people all the time. I have not lived here for a year yet, and I bump into people all the time. It blows my mind in a city this big. You look up and see all these buildings, and you're like, "This is these are all apartments and condos. Yeah. But no, like, a Lacuna Loft is where I had, like, my, my party. Like, we didn't have, like, a reception. Oh. We had a party. That's what I'm talking about. That's the vibe I want. It was great. So the, the Bears DJ, Jay Illa, yeah. he was my DJ. Oh my gosh! Go I want to relive this wedding and DJ. be there. We had a really good time. I I'm think so jealous. My favorite part of that—I'll show you the pictures. My favorite part of that was uh, my aunt had come up from Atlanta, and she was getting ready to leave because I told her I was like, "Look, this is probably going to be a lot of younger-ish. Not that right. I'm young, but younger-ish people here." And she was getting ready to leave, and the wobble came on. Oh, seeing my snap. aunt just flip out that <laughs> she was about to do. She's like, I'm not leaving until I do the wobble <laughs> was just incredible. I'll never forget. I'll never forget her like literally putting her bag down and being like, nope, we about to go out here and do this thing. Oh, my God. That's like girls. Um, girls here and back that ass up at the club. Yes. We come back in. We come back inside. Going back inside to, to get this thing Absolutely. popping. Absolutely. But yeah, this, this city is a really, really small place. It, it's, it's amazing. Like some of the, like the, some of the interactions that you end up having are crazy. Like the, how and you end up connecting it's market three. Like it shouldn't be small like that. Correct. It shouldn't. So it shouldn't. The nails thing. Yes. Is that a Tampa thing? No. Okay, so, all right, because I kind of thought that that was more of a Florida thing. So where did the nails thing come in? Okay, so I've been getting my nails done. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been getting my nails done since, like, 
and high school, beginning of college. I've always had my nails. They've gotten better and better because I got more money, more money to put crystals on. Okay, so sure. Um, now they get now they get fancier and fancier, but they've always been long. Um, when I was broke, broke, and in college, they were just colors, though. So it was like long fuchsia, long blue, long. And I, mind you, I was a TV news reporter with these things. Were you really? Yes, and they hated me. I actually, this is so bad. I actually had a um, a tripod collapse on my hand once because we had the crappiest equipment, Market One Ninety Nine. Are you kidding me? And it collapsed on my hand. And the way it broke my nail, my nail was still attached to my skin at the top. Oh. Bro, I had to go to the ER. I swear to God, I couldn't get it off because it was so, like, attached to my skin. And you couldn't cut it. It was, I couldn't get it off, okay? This is my worst nail story ever. This is, this is the moment I don't feel any hatreds towards them. I love them and care about them. But this is the moment that I was like, I will disown you. What are you doing to my hand? So I had to go to the ER, get shots into the top of my finger to numb it. Well, they drilled the nail off of my hand. Oh, my God. Yes. And then the first place I went after was the nail salon to cover that ugly ass thing up. Because I had this ugly cut like on the top of my nail where it busted. And I went right to the nail salon while my finger was still numb and was like, yo, put a new nail on this joint. How often do you get your nails done? About every three weeks. Okay. So how long are you in the chair? Oh, um, usually at least three hours. What? I'm usually there for about three hours. I've had the longest my nails have ever taken have been six hours. And that is because when I do event nails, um, like a jingle bash, a summer bash. I will do pictures of, like, the artists. So I usually come up with a unique theme, and it takes a long time. So average nail is, like, the, my three hours. And when I'm doing a specialty nail, I think the longest it ever took me was, like, six or seven hours. Okay. That is a lot. Okay, so what takes longer, your nails appointment or your hair appointment? Nails. I basically don't even get my hair done. Almost Just ever. pull it back and rock it. Yeah. I mean, you've seen me walk around here. I'm a baseball cap kind of girl for the most part. Yeah. So. Yeah. But when you have to, I mean, you have events that are yeah. fairly fancy, too, that yes. you go to. Yes. Very. Um, But, yeah, I I leave my hair natural, to be honest. Like, I, did, like I didn't do anything to my hair today. Just leave it natural. So, my hair does not take me long. But my, my nails are, like, my thing. Some people, right? This is how I justify this. Because some people look at me like I'm crazy. But... Think about the amount of people. Stop it. You are doing it right now. <laughs> I don't think you're crazy. I, I I almost know verbatim what you're getting ready to say, and I and I 100% support it. I hope so. Okay, so I got I got two things to say. One, a lot of people spend a lot of time on their hair. A lot. Think about the amount of money people spend bleaching, like to be blonde, and they go what every two three weeks to stay really nice and blonde. It costs hundreds of dollars. Okay. I don't do any of that. My hair's natural. I don't spend any money on that kind of stuff. Everything, I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't do any of that. Like, my nails are the one thing that I spend money and time on, really. Two, and I did not intend for this to happen, it has become a signature thing for me. It has become a work investment. I've had people come up and grab my hand and go, are you Kenzie? I Get out of here. I swear to God. So instead of the raspy voice girl... Now, I'm the fingernail lady. You're the, you're the nail lady. <laughs> yeah. 
I get people asking me questions about my nails all the time, people recognizing me because of it. People come up to me at events like, are, um, okay, so we're giving away a lot of Jingle Bash tickets right now because it's coming up December te- uh, 7th, right? People will go, what are you going to do to your nails? Like, when they see me, like, they want to know, like, what theme I'm going to go with because it's an event and I'm going to do something special. So it's become, like, a thing that I use. Like, people, it's a talking subject for people now. So that wasn't my intention. I guess I'm just that crazy that nails that are become talking subjects are just normal nails in my mind. Sure. But, um, I mean, it's it, become it's, a branding, I guess. But, but I mean, it, it fits. I mean, it's, yeah. it's how you roll. So... I always go, wow, like something like you when you switch it up, like I go, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's that a lot that you got going on. And I always wonder, I know that you you clearly you're able to do the radio show. You're able mm-hmm. to work the board. I see yeah. you on your laptop. I always wonder, like just the regular day to day life, how one functions with nails that long. To be honest, I have had them for so long that if I break a nail, I mess things up. I can't text. Like, if I break my thumb, all my texting is messed up because I kind of use, like, the side of my finger. Mm-hmm. So it's my fat-ass thumb. If I'm using it regular, 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 I hit every, like, letter. Um, my depth perception off, I'll be, like, trying to move hair out of my face and miss. Like, if I break a nail, I'm like, whoa. Like, I'm so used to them. The only thing I'm not good at is picking quarters up off the floor. That's my kryptonite. So we throw a quarter on the floor, that's it. I'm down there for a hot little minute. The worst <laughs> is when I'm trying to buy something out of the vending machine and you drop a coin. I never thought about that. Oh, my God. Oh, it's the worst thing. I'm like, I look like a little crane. I got, like, both hands going. You're you're like the, the, the game that you you have to drop the thing in and try yeah, to fix it. Yeah, I'm absolutely crane. But I've come up with a system. As long as I, I either step on a coin or use my phone to push down one corner and then it picks it up a little bit and I can grab it. Oh, okay. That's that's creating solutions for problems. I have so many solutions for my nails, but that's just like how I operate. Like, I use like um, Vaseline for chapstick, and people are like, "Oh my god, how do you get any cream?" And I'm like, "You just use like the your finger. Like, you use it to scoop. It's a scoop." <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's how I function. I don't know. I am learning so much today. <laughs> this is phenomenal. But yeah, if you want to ruin my day, just empty your pocket change on the floor and tell me to pick it up. I'm like, like, I'm Kenzie, be down can here. you help me out with this quarter that's on the floor? Oh God, is the worst. My kryptonite. <laughs> oh, that's not good at all. What are what are I? Every now and then, I see you modeling something. Yeah. yeah. What are what are the modeling gigs like? Um. So I've been modeling since I was like fifteen or sixteen. Um. And I kind of started out. In swimsuits, which my dad did not like. Hated. Yeah. The first time a picture came out, which I, listen, I went to the photo shoot with my mom. Nothing janky happened, right? And the first time the pictures came out, I was so excited. I'm like, Dad, look, I'm a model. And he chased me down the hallway, and I had to lock myself into the bathroom. And until my mom got home, <laughs> he did not like it at a young age. But, um... I've been doing it forever. I never call myself a model. I don't think you can call yourself something unless, like, you pay your bills with it. Like, I try not to be like, I'm an actress. It's like, well, I've acted. I'm not a model. I've modeled, right? Mm. No, if you're chasing a passion and, like, you're doing something on the side and that is your main hustle, like, I totally support that. I'm not saying that. But I do other things for my main bills. Like, I am a radio host, right? So I model, I act, I do those things. Um, like I said, I've been in film festivals, and I've been doing it for a long time. I get a lot more swimsuit than anything else, but 
I have a magazine spread coming out in Royalty Magazine. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. I got a cover um, about two years ago, which was really exciting. So I've had a couple magazines, and it's really cool. I love it. It's a, it's weird because you go from not loving your body, mm-hmm. not loving yourself, to now loving your body and presenting it. Yes. So, Okay. Here's the deal with that. I know it's really different. Not a lot of people believe me when I'm like, oh, I have body self-conscious issues. Because they're like, you're not walking around in parkas. Like, you liar. Like, I know. Like, I'll, I, I wear tight things and stuff like that. I'm not scared of it. But. You also walk around in sweats. I do. A lot. That's my thing is people see me at events and think that's me. No, I'm yeah. at an event. or I'm at, I've had so many club gigs and stuff like that, which is a sexier environment, right? But. At work, and you can, like, totally defend me on this, I am, like, looking like I work at the score. Yeah, you pull, you pull your hair back, you put on some sweats. Yeah, I'm here to work. You're never unprofessional, but you just, like, you, you're doing chilling. your radio show. It's I'm radio. Chilling. I don't wear makeup unless I have an event. I, like, I'm chill all the time. But, one, I really like owning it. I really think women should be proud of their bodies. I don't think that we should, unless you want to hide it, then hide it. But I think it should really be our choice. I, I don't mean to sound mega feminist or anything, but I'm just really supportive of what women want to do and what makes them feel confident. Because I think the world has told women, oh, if you want to be a wife, you should look like this. Or if you want to be a, if this looks like a hooker, or this looks like, what? Well, bye. All these hookers get married all the damn time, okay? Y'all told us that these women look <laughs> Can't like— Can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Yeah, like, you, they say stuff like that, but then I watch women who have tried to conform to husbands get treated like crap. I watched women who dress sexy have amazing husbands. I'm just so tired of the world shifting what it is. It's not that. It depends, like, it depends on who you are and who you decide to surround yourself with and what they're cool with, and that's it. That's it. So somebody's dating me— it's not going to be turtleneck season, okay? And they need to just get over that. That's not what I'm going to be. That's fair. So I'm, I'm, I think that women should own it and wear things that make them feel good. That's part of self-love, wearing something that makes you feel good, whether it's a Snuggie or a little two-piece. I don't care. Whatever, right? So I'm supportive of that. Now, the modeling thing challenges me, though, um, and that's one of the reasons I love to do it. Tyra Banks is probably one of my greatest inspirations because – and some people laugh at this who don't know a lot about her. She has done so much to support a healthy self-image and has also had such a successful career in this industry. And have a successful modeling career but then support natural bodies, like that's, you know, like a lot of models, it's well-known, you know, do have eating disorders or starve themselves or are trying to strive for something, you know, unreachable. Not all, but many. And Tyra Banks really supports you being yourself in natural body. So I grew up watching America's Next Top Model and wishing that um, I was about 15 feet taller because I am 5'2". Yeah, you're you're an itty-bitty. I am an absolute nugget, and it ruined. <laughs> I wanted to be a top model so bad. I would practice my smiles all the time. I just wanted to be Tyra Banks. I love what she did. And that probably, it probably was because I was self-conscious that I was like, look at these beautiful women, and I just... I want to do that. I want to own it. I want to feel beautiful. And I wanted that. Um, and I kind of just went out and got it. I actually, my first photo shoot was because I went to a concert. And a guy came up to me and handed me his car. And he was a photographer. Which sounds really sketchy. This story's getting sketchy. Um, I mean, a lot of modeling gigs kind of start like that, yeah, though. Yeah. And he, he hit me up and he's like, hey, um, I do a lot of photography. This is the agency I work for. And I'll checked out. It was it was an agency that I knew in Minneapolis, and I'm like, great. And he goes, um, we need this body paint thing. And I'm like, 
oh, I go, I'm 15. I can't. He goes, you're 15. Because mind you, I was really curvy really young. That's why I got bullied. So how I look now is probably how I looked back then. I didn't, I was wearing bras in like fifth grade. Like I just got curvy quick, which I hated. Like I wanted to like duct tape everything down. It was awful. And um, so I was like, no, I'm 15. He's like, you're 15? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll find some age-appropriate shoots for you and get back to you. And he did. So I actually just bumped into somebody at a concert. And um, that's how my modeling stuff kicked off, slowly but surely. It's never been my main breadwinner, but it's always been a really cool thing because because of what I went through. Like, when I got um, my first magazine cover, I was just... I was floored because I'm like, I've been told I'm fat, I'm 5'2", like, I'm way too short, way too this, way too, way too loud, They're like, just do radio. I mean, everything, right? And not skinny, not tall. And to get a magazine cover with a whole spread, like an entire spread, I'm like, hmm. And I have my second magazine cover coming out in November. So I'm like, hmm. It's pretty impressive. It's just exciting. And that's what I like to post about, like, not to be like, you can be whatever you want to be. Like, not to be so cliche, but it's really true that the world doesn't set your boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Like, the social ideas of what should be and what they are. So if it's traditional that all models are tall and skinny, that's fine. And if you're tall and skinny, then awesome, because it's going to be a little bit easier to get into. But if you're not, that doesn't mean that you can't. Or And that goes a lot of career paths or even backgrounds you may have grown up in, right? So I just don't like the world telling me this is the norm and this is what you should do. It's like, no, I can be sexy and be talented. No, I can be 5'2 and model. No, I can live in my car and make it work and not look too busted so people don't, people don't know. Okay? <laughs> like, I can make all this happen. I can juggle this. Like, just figure out what you want to do and what you are good at and capable of and don't let, like, the normal affect you, Right? So your social media game is a top notch. Thank you. And you use Instagram really, really well. Thank you. Why is that it kind of your preferred yes. social media platform of choice? Oh, it's so my preferred. I love Instagram. And that is going to sound so corny coming from a girl. I know that's the worst. I think it's so fun. I love Instagram stories because of all the different things you can do with them. I love the swipe up to help promote everything. Like, everything's just so accessible on Instagram. It's visual. It's interactive. You, they have polls, and you can comment. You can do that. Like, I think other social medias are, are fine. I like Twitter, but I just, Twitter's, like, funny to me, and that's it. Where, like, you can really promote, support, see, um, have link, have things so accessible on Instagram. Like, business-wise, like, I have made good money using Instagram because uh, you post something with a link and uh, you get a certain amount of swipes and clicks and that you can get paid off of it. Instagram has literally given me credits before for promotion. Like, oh, this posted really well. Do you want $20 to promote it? I'm like, yes. okay. Like, I'll take it. Like, it, it's just really good business-wise. And that's how I operate. Like, Twitter is super funny. And I can go on there and say something stupid and that's great. It doesn't make me any money. <laughs> so I just said something funny and I got a thousand retweets. And my pocketbook looks exactly the same. Yeah, I think that that is something industry-wide that people don't quite get. How can one monetize what they do on social media? Mm -hmm. And whether they should. Like, everyone kind of has their own feeling about it. But I, I also think that Instagram is a kinder place. Like, interactions with people on Instagram are 
much more kind than Twitter. Like Twitter, it's like from my perspective as a sports guy, you throw something up on Twitter, mm-hmm. someone's instantly like, "No, I disagree," and then like it's becomes a whole thing. Whereas it's like a chat room. Twitter is a chat room. Yeah, where I threw up a picture of me kind of laughing at the Bears on Sunday because I had predicted how they were going to lose. That hurt, by the way. I was there. <laughs> and I just cried. So I can imagine. And people were like, that's funny. You look great. Like that, it, it seems yes to be a kinder no. place. Yes, because Twitter is a chat room. I think the responses are quicker and more open and free on Twitter. That being said, I get harassed all the time. All the time. I get the meanest DMs. Like, people are just, there's such gangsters like behind that. Wish somebody would roll up and say that to me in person. Pull up! I was like, pull, I will drive a pin up in this joint. Y'all know where I am. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And not one of y'all have showed up. Pull up! Any day. Any day of the week. Don't be like, don't bring Livin and her car, Kenzie, out. Okay? Don't bring her out. Well, what types of things are you getting? Like, what people are, what, I what are people, people saying to you? I get people who harass me. Like, just about stupid stuff. I got, listen, my least favorite thing about myself this is so bad. And at least I can laugh about it now. I got two different size eyes, and it pisses me off. It is so embarrassing. There are two different sizes. This one's way smaller. Way smaller. And it looks like I'm winking at people all the time. It is so embarrassing. I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to get it worked on. I want to get worked on Don't on it. Don't get worked on No, I think if I that. get a little bit of skin pulled up. <laughs> just pull it up a little bit? I just, I'm going to get some tape or something. I don't know. I hate this stupid eye. Damn it. And I should have never told anybody about it. Because now they can come for you. They come for me about my damn eye all the time. And people are just rude. So I've had people be like, you should kill yourself. Your eyes all fucking crooked. I'm like, what? Damn. Like, people have literally said the most evil stuff to me about my eye. And they're like, oh, hey, wonky face. I'm like, damn. Like, I get roasted sometimes. How do you deal with that? That's hard. Like, um, you know, when someone's just mean, listen. Listen, first off, I've had to be careful because I got a mouth on me and I will hurt feelings. Like, if you don't, don't come for Kenzie, don't put gloves on if you ain't ready to also get hit. Like, if you're gonna come talk to me, because I can say things that'll hurt your feelings. I try not to because I don't like to promote somebody hating themselves. But if you're gonna talk to me like that, I'm gonna come for you. So, I, it's crazy. So, I often look at people's social media when they send me stuff like that, and I can genuinely say, Whenever someone's attacked me for how I look, how I behave, my voice, how I dress, whatever, I've never looked at their social media and wished I was them. So I've never been like, you know what? They're better than me. They have better style. They have a better life. Their face is better. No, you got a little bit of wonkiness going on, too. Okay, maybe we're cousins. Okay? Maybe we cousins. Like, bye. So (laughs) I... I'm not really going to worry about some of those profiles. Okay. So it doesn't make me feel great. Sometimes I get annoyed. Sometimes I type something out and delete it. Sometimes I don't delete it. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, well, oh, well. So I'm not perfect. But for the most part, I'm like, who are you? I'm not. Your life's embarrassing. If you, I've never gone out of my way and gone on someone's profile, thought something mean, sent it to them. And I can't imagine the lack of life that you have if you have time or interest in doing that. And it's like, I'm busy. I don't know. Like like I said, I am I got work to do, so I'm not going to 
go worry about you wearing sweatpants and every damn picture. You got half your head cut off. You don't even know how to take a selfie. What? No, I'm not worried about you. What What I find really cool about you, and I, I don't want to be unfair to everyone else, I think that you are really good at team building. Thank you. Yeah, it's one of the things I, I really respect about you because I see you with the other jocks at B96. Mm-hmm. You hang out with Sonic. Mm-hmm. Y- you're, you come and hang with me occasionally. Yes. That's that's a, a really good skill to have. Why is that important to you? Um, Networking, team building, they're kind of all under the same umbrella, I think. And it's always been incredibly important for me. One, it's definitely helped with my success. Like, as you can see, I've moved everywhere and done a lot. And those have been through meeting certain people in the ripple effect. I've seen that. Two, I believe in watering other people's grass. I would say that. So... When you water other people's grass, like, yeah, it's like the, how, how should I put this? You know how, like, the value of your neighborhood goes up when somebody else's house looks nice? Yes. I believe in doing that with my friends. That's why we say water other people's grass. So when you can grow with the people around you, and they're growing, and then you're growing, and they're growing, and then you're growing, and you're supporting them, and they in turn want to show you so much support and love. And it's a genuine thing because it's a come up. It's not somebody who's already perfect, already has a TV show, mm-hmm. already has, you know, you being nurse to Charmaine while she was here, right? She now was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on GCI, that type of a vibe, right? So that is something I'm a firm believer in. I try to make it to anybody and everybody's event, what they have going on. I like to connect with them. I like to be there with them. If they want me on something, need my help, need me to hold a camera, like Sonic has spoon in. I'm like, if you ever need me to hold a camera, I'll be there. I just believe in watering other people's grass. I'm a firm believer in that. Yes. It, it's uh, my philosophy. Mm-hmm. Lift as you climb. I love it. See? Same page. Same pa- Totally. Like, mm-hmm. same page for sure. I dig this segment that you do with your mom. Yes. I love my mom, and she's been involved in every one of my shows in every state. Really? Always. It's always something different, but she's always involved in my show. How great is that from the moment, like, from her being kind of the reason that you mm-hmm. end up in radio to her now being a part of your radio shows, that's super cool. It is my absolute favorite thing. Um, I'm actually going to start a podcast with her soon, too. Get out of here. Yeah, called Mommy and Me, but Mommy like M-A-M-I, because she's spicy, you know? She's so, definitely spicy. She's spicy. Both my parents are. This, I'm all spunky because of my parents. Um, I have such a great relationship with my parents. I love them so much. Uh, some people think that I'm like, they're like, oh, you had one of those moms you were best friends with? I go, yes, but... Not because she was so fun. Like, that bitch was so hard on me. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> my mom in no way ever played with me. I, I stole a lip gloss once because I got peer pressured, and I got grounded for, like, three months. And when my parents ground you, it is not like, okay, you can't use your phone. No cell phone, no home phone, no going outside the property we own, no watching a TV. No, I read 18 books that summer. I got grounded during the summer for stealing a lip gloss. So... My parents were strict. They did. They played no games, um, but I was really close to them. Like I love my parents. I tell them everything, and people hate that. People hate how much I tell my parents. If I date somebody, my parents know everything, oh. everything. Like my mom asks, like how my sex life is going, all the time. Oh wow. Oh yeah. My parents know everything about me. Yeah, I don't. I'm, it doesn't bother me. Like we're just so. You open. guys are that close. Yeah, my parents are like my best friends. Oh man, 
I did like I just had my dad in town for a full weekend. I loved, loved, loved it. And they're still together, by the way. They just do separate trips for different things. It was a sports based weekend. So sure. I had my dad at the Bulls home opener. Shout out to Justin Roman for hooking us up with tickets to that. Um, then I had him at a Bears game, and then I was hosting Allen Robinson's um, Within Reach Foundation fundraising event. So I brought my dad because all the Bears players were sure. going to be there. So he had a Bears filled weekend. Uh, and I love it. And then my mom will come down. We'll do like a shopping weekend with concerts or. I'm those are those are my homies. I call my mom every time someone pisses me off. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean and that type of support is really important. Well, my parents are really honest with me. That's the thing. So I can call them and be like, "Can you believe that?" and they're like, "You're wrong." Like my parents are not always on. They're on my side, but they're not on my side just because they're my parents, right? So sometimes they're like, "You had way too much attitude, Kenzie. Like you that was on you." I'm like, "Oh." So I know I'm going to get an honest opinion of where a lot of people's parents they can't see their kid doing any wrong. And my parents would be like, you were way out of line. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they'll let me know. So I love having them around because I get really honest opinions on stuff. I'm glad we did this. I'm happy you had me. I love this. I um, I mean, I don't want to put a lot of pressure on you, but you're <laughs> you're my pick to click. I think you're going to be, I mean, you're already, I think you're going to be a star star. Oh I my think God, that you're so I think sweet. that people are going to listen back to this podcast like five years from now and be like, I can't believe that Kenzie <laughs> Kenzie did Lawrence's podcast. Like that's ridiculous. Like you know how big a star she is. Oh my God, stop! You're the sweetest. I'm. That is the goal. But listen, I'll come water your grass. I'll come do it again. I, if I blow up. I appreciate that. I really do. You are. You got a, a lot of energy, and your energy is infectious around here. Thank you. I think you've Thank added you. something to this place that wasn't. I think that you are. You should look at yourself, and I and I, I don't say this just because you're sitting here. You're the connector of the station. Oh my gosh! You're you're it. Like you're the connector. That's of like this place. A very sweet thing to say. That means a lot to me because, in case you haven't noticed, this place and this building is my absolute priority in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm here. All the time. Like, I come back 7 at night, 8 at night. I know you do the same thing for certain interviews and whatever and brainstorming. And I love, love, love the staff in this building at all the stations. I love love working. I love doing cross-station promotion. I love all of it. And I'm like, what time of day do you need me? I'll be here. So that makes me really happy. So I'm glad that we were able to, like, sit down. And now I got, like, the full history. So the next thing we should put on the books is, like, a bunch of us to just go and eat. I love eating. It makes me, me so happy. And I, I gotta I gotta get you to my neighborhood. I gotta get you to the south side. I gotta get you yes. to Hyde Park. Yes. You gotta come hang out in Hyde Park. Once once festival season comes back around and the Silver Room block party comes back up, like you would be in heaven at the Silver Room block party. Okay, I'm, I want a little breakdown. What happens there? Okay, so Hyde Park is kind of it's a very eclectic, like there's a lot of different people, okay. very diverse neighborhood, but skewing more towards the urban side. I love it. How about this? Hyde Park is Black Lincoln Park. Ah, that's okay. a really good description. Way to go. Okay. So so then what happens is the Silver Room used to be this jewelry store that was in Wicker Park. And they moved to Hyde Park, 253rd Street in Hyde Park. And they started throwing this party where you just shut down the street like a street festival. Mm-hmm. The first year, I want to say there was 13,000 people that showed up, which is great, like, for our neighborhood. The next year, because everyone was like, that was dope. Right. There was 40,000 people. 
And then last three thousand. Yeah, and then July, like this past July, I think the numbers swelled to closer to eighty thousand people because you it's better so have some fun. Special tickets or something because we need a we need some breathing room. So th- they make it so dope. So there'll be like there'll be girls jumping double dutch. Ah. Oh. There'll be a skate ramp. This year they put in a roller skating rink. There's like they took one of the parking lots and like turned it into a roller skating ring. Meanwhile, like the best DJs in the world are playing. So like Jazzy Jeff came and played. Shut up. Jazzy Jeff was here? Yeah. Well, not this past one, the year before. He closed the year before. But like my guy, Jay Illa, yeah. who I was telling you about, like he performed. Like it's a and then there'll be like live bands. Like it's it is you you would like you would dig on the whole vibe of the block party. I'm like already excited. Next July, third what kind week of, of July. Got? What kind of food they got? Ev- everything. Like everything is kind of like you, on the table. Lawrence, I need your help with one thing. Okay. Because nobody in the city can help me at all. Um, I'm from the South. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. from North Carolina. You know what kind of food I need in my life. Where the hell can I get good chicken, good collard greens, good cornbread, good sweet tea? Yes, you you need to come to the South Side, For my the dear. love of God. <laughs> I'm so tired of going to some bougie restaurant. They got, like, one wing with, like, that little circle of sauce around nom, it. No, no, that's not how we roll. Like, everyone here, everyone who's from Chicago has a favorite Harold's. Harold's yes. Chicken. Like, everyone has their favorite or whatever they have. But there, there's other places, too. So we should... We Can should we do a fried chicken run. Yeah, we absolutely. We should do like a whole thing. Yeah, we do we, a couple spots. We could hit up a couple of places. There's a couple like, like just because you know sometimes you got to go to the places where there's bulletproof glass. You know what I'm saying? I'm from North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sometimes you got to go there because that's where you're going to get the good food. But we'll do Does like. Does it a, look like I get my nails done downtown, sir? Does it look like these are loop nails? No, it, <laughs> no, it does not. See, I know that you're not scared. No, like I know that you're gonna fit in pretty much wherever it is mm-hmm. that that we end up. But yeah, my dear, you need to come and hang out on the south side. We are gonna do a chicken run. I'm so serious. Yeah, we should do that. I'm a big donut guy. We should do that. We should do a donut run. I'm about it. You I'm know, so about it. but my magazine sheet, uh, my magazine shoot is done. It's done. Get it done. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. But next July, yes, come to the block. Ed Lover was there, like, and not just like he wasn't there. Like Ed Lover is no, he hanging was just out. hanging out. Oh my god! So so all of us like will be there like in and out, and it's an all day thing. I'm a thousand percent going with you. All right, bet. I know the people. Like I need to get you down with my man Eric over at the Silver Room. I know the yes. people down there. They would love to have you be a part of all of this stuff. So you know, hey, I'm. You know me. I'll water your lawn. Hey, I'm about it. Right? Yes. That's... I'll be. Uh, and I'll come over with some a bag of fertilizer next week. And help you <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I'm there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this. Yo, thank you for having me. I was so excited to be here. So a big thanks to Kenzie. I appreciate her spending some time with me on the podcast. And I'm glad I got to talk to her. It's going to open the door for me to... I should probably talk with some more effing people. I got to get Sonic on the show. I really dig his whole vibe. I got to get my man Ross. You know what I got to get? I see Ed Lover every day. I need to get Ed Lover on the podcast. But it was cool to talk with Kinsey, and um, I don't even know if you're into B96, but you should definitely check her out. 
the whole lineup is pretty good. Like they're having a lot of fun over there, which is is great because I think it's a good vibe. She she's uh she's doing cool things, and you can find her on Instagram because she's Insta famous. Kenzie on Kenzie K on air, so K E N Z I E K on air is where you can find her doing all of her crazy stuff, including the segment that she does with her mom, which is pretty dope. Where she has her mom like break down lyrics, it's very funny stuff, very well done. And occasionally, she uh, I actually I haven't told her this. I've got a segment that I want her to do, and me and Tony have got to work through how we want to do it. But I want to do something with her and the Cubs. I want to use her voice because her voice, as you heard, her voice is phenomenal. I want to do something with her and the and the Cubs before the new season starts up. So thanks to Kenzie for for being a part of this. Let's go to the emails. If you'd like to email the podcast, House of L Podcast at gmail.com. This is from Toxie, who says, Hey Lawrence, they just name dropped you on Tiki and Tierney. Well, yeah. I do that show quite a bit. I've done I've been on with BT and Tiki Barber. So I like, and that's where David Deal and I kind of like hung out a little bit. And he'll be on the show next, on the radio show next week when we talk about bears and, and giants. But yeah, I, I like to go on those guys occasionally nationally and, and talk about what's going on. So thanks. I appreciate you letting me know. And I appreciate you uh, listening to their show. And I'm, hopefully it was a good mention. If not, it's totally fine. This from Vicky. Vicky says, hey, Lawrence, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I love the focus on the ladies in sports media. We have never met, but your wife, Melissa, a.k.a. Panther, is friends with my daughter, Maggie. I've had the pleasure of meeting Melissa a few times. You two were invited to Maggie's wedding in May. Anyway, I would love to hear an interview with Shay Pepler and also Peggy Kaczynski. I think Peggy's story about dealing with grief and trying to work and what happened in her interview with Patrick Kane is one that needs to be heard. Keep up the great work. Well, we actually, Peggy and I did that on the air. Like we talked a little bit about that on the air. Um, but you're right. At least she'd be an amazing interview. She's one of my favorite people. And I, I would, she would probably bristle at this, but I consider her a mentor because when I started working in channel five, she was extremely helpful. And part of the, the way that she was, she made adapting what I did as a radio reporter, easy for me to kind of adapt and use on television. Like having her as a model was good for me because it it was like, you can still, you can still be tough. You can still be on TV and be tough up there asking questions. So her and Paula Ferris were incredibly gracious and kind to me when I worked at, at channel five. So I have a lot of respect for both of them. A lot of love for them. Same thing for Mike Adamley. Um, I, I adore Mike cause Mike is, he, he's, he's like a hurricane, man. Like I really adore that guy. And he made doing sports Sunday a lot of fun and I never knew what I was going to kind of get. And he was okay with that. And I was totally okay with that too. It's kind of like a, a trial by fire working with that guy. But I thank you for the email. It's a very nice. And uh, I worked with Shay. God, man, I've worked with a lot of people now. Like, am I the old guy that worked with everybody? I work with Shay over at 120 Sports, so I'm definitely trying to do that, considering that 
I had her husband, Jordan, on the show. I'd, I'd like to talk with Shay about her sideline reporting stuff. And I don't even like I know that she's done some radio, but I wonder if she's even interested in doing it more often. But, yeah, those are two excellent suggestions. I'm, I got some shows coming up, man. I, I got a I got a podcast coming up in a couple of weeks that is uh, definitely going to be a thing. I can tell you that. Because I am going to talk with Joe Cowley. I've already talked with him. I I still got to go through and talk with people about some of the stuff that Joe said. I got I to gotta give some people some warnings. For real, for real. Go back and listen to past episodes. The episode with Evan Moore, Sahadev Sharma, and Marcus Lashak were money in the bank. Go back and listen. There's a lot of your favorite people have already been on the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. It's much appreciated. We'll be back next week with another episode. Peace.